Whether you suffer from depression, anxiety, feel stuck, or lack motivation, it all starts in the mind. We're on a quest to help us break through life's most challenging obstacles. No matter who we are or what we hope to achieve, clarity, joy, and self-love will help us lead the way. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Mind Reboot Program and Podcast. Today, I'm joined by recovery specialist Martin John Garcia. Martin John, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. And, uh, you know, Martin John, I like that name just to begin with because it's, oh. uh, it's very distinct. Yeah, it is. It was, uh, it was, it's searchable. So that's yeah. nice. <laughs> it's searchable. Um, I am Martin John Garcia and, uh, Martin Garcia is what I was going by early in my art career. And in, in all honesty, just wasn't white enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> J-O-N really kind of pulls out the, uh, the, um, like Dutch and, uh, yeah, just the John J O N is a is a is a Dutch form for and sure. So like sure. I I I I dumped that and I got rid of the H in my name and and uh, and I was like, hey, this can work. And 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 I got it on Twitter. So if anybody's looking for me on Twitter, Instagram, and you search Martin John, smart move, smart um, move. Yes, but that's that's what is that called? That's SEO. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> SEO, personal branding, all of that's the above. Right, right? Yeah. you're doing it well. But um, so recovery specialist. Now, the, if I'm understanding this correctly, though, you really are a almost a trainer, a coach to the therapist, right? Where you're providing instruction, training that's uh, professional, like the need for continuing education credits as well. But that's really who you're focusing on teaching. Um, these recovery uh, principles or, or, or strategies too, right? Yeah. So my biggest, um, my biggest focus is not on what we're recovering from, but what we're recovering to. Right. And the people that really need to understand that are the people that are working with uh, those of us, uh, those the people that have addictions. And so I'm I'm primarily interested in working with caregivers of all kinds, therapists, social workers, uh, individuals that are giving care to other individuals. And, and that could be, that could be a parent and that could also be, uh, adult children of the elderly. Uh, So many of us are caregivers today and I want to help caregivers fight fatigue. And I feel like the best way to do that is to start recovering to something and to understand yourself within that framework. For sure. And, and I guess the, the visual that comes to mind is when, you know, you, well, I haven't been on a flight for a minute, right? But the, like many of us, but, um, you know, when the stewardess comes down and says, in the event of an emergency and these, these oxygen masks come down, make sure you put yours on first before you put it on your kids because otherwise you could be useless to them. And right. you know what I'm hearing from you is just that if you're not taking care of yourself first, how can you expect to care the way that you'd like to take care of those that you care for um, in the best way possible? Absolutely. And I think one of the big things is uh, <laughs> caregivers, I believe, uh, and I've seen this over and over again, caregivers want to give more. Yeah. And, and they often want to give more than they're able to. Yeah, And the I believe the reason they're not able to continue giving more is because of fatigue and that fatigue comes because of emotional discord and, and, and when you can recover yourself and when you know yourself, then you're not getting emotionally involved in your care. Like you're not, you're not, you're not stressing over that. I remember 
in I, I don't know which X-Men movie it was. I'm going <laughs> to give a little story. Um, uh, but uh, Mystique, one of my favorite characters, <laughs> yeah, was, sure. was uh, in the gym and she was doing bench presses and Magneto comes in and lifts it off and, and, and she's like, hey, he, he says, you know, she was in her, you know, white skin and, and he was like, hey, you know, you shouldn't have to hide. And he, and, and he was like, think about how much energy you're giving up in order to be, you know, to look like everybody else. And then he drops it on her. And as he does that, she turns back into like the blue mystique mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. catches the, the thing. And that's what we're doing all the time. We are spending this little bit of energy trying to do what we think is right because of things that we have, because of ideas we have in our minds about what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be. But if we can just separate ourselves a little bit and understand our emotional space, then we don't have to overly engage in the, and, and have expectations for those people that we're caring for. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, well, that you have, I guess an expertise in is in, in addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes oh, yeah. we're doing these things out of uh, out of out of addiction or out of a programming that we're completely unaware of, and that we think we're doing it for these things, but really there, there's a root cause that we're not considering. <laughs> Absolutely, there's always. Uh, I like to call them pacifiers. Right. Because a pacifier is is, like if I if I tell your audience, hey, you're all addicted to something, they're all going to immediately knee jerk react and say no. But then if I say, hey, look, you might happen to have some pacifiers in your life, things that you use to pacify yourself. And I don't think anybody would say no. Right. Right. And so if I can get my audience to just start thinking like, wait a minute. There are things I do, like how how many times do you walk, get home, turn on the TV without thinking about it, and go cook dinner while the TV's on just because it's noise? And you say, oh, well, I like it because it blocks it out. Well, actually, <laughs> like you now are working. You're actually not resting. You know, you're wor- you, you, people watch shows over and over, and their mind goes somewhere, but they're actually not repairing, and they're not getting any better. And, and the nice thing about pacifiers is it's, they're innocuous. You can just do them. So are you sending your spending, like you're spending energy, focus, like trying to pay attention to what, for two things, really. Like you're clicking right. on one end, but you're also trying you're, to pay yeah, attention to and, and so you're checked out. Yeah. But you're, in being checked out, doesn't, it doesn't, actually allow rest doesn't actually allow this your body to do what it is meant to do which is heal yeah and so that's where fatigue comes from you come home from a a, a late night i i once had a client who said oh but isn't it okay if i come home and i want to just like chill out on the couch and i was like yes it is so chill out on the couch but when you're done chilling out on the couch are you ever going back and asking yourself, why did I chill out on the couch? And then you say, okay, well, it's because I had a long day. Why am I allowing myself to be controlled by my job? Or why am I allowing myself to have a bad day? Why? why yeah, yeah, and yeah. why did I create a life in which a bad day is so normal that I have a go-to thing to to check out with it's almost like you're enabling yourself right <laughs> and and if you don't go back and ask that question you will experience fatigue 
But if you go back and ask that question, you can at least then say, huh, that's interesting. Now I'm approaching my problem with curiosity, not judgment. That's the biggest thing. Most of us want to. Most of us that sit in front of the TV and don't even like what we're watching, we w- because it's it's just what we do, right? Like we're just we're just zoning out. We will recognize that. We may the next morning wake up and judge ourselves for being unproductive and stuff. But if we can approach it with curiosity rather than judgment, well then. We're curious about where it's going to take us. We're curious about where we're going. We're curious about why we're doing it. Is this part of the bigger plan? Are we talking about like a long game idea or are we talking about, oh, I just want to get through the night? Because you getting through the night tonight, that's one thing. But you living the rest of your life. Making it a habit. Right. Either making it a habit or or if you, in my workshops... In my workshops, I often talk, I often mention to people like, how many of you chose to drink coffee today? Hmm. And then everyone raises their hand, of course, we're in the United States, this is a, you know, it's, it's what we do. And then I say, okay, how many of you actually chose, made the choice to drink coffee today versus executed a decision you made a long time ago? And then everybody realizes that they didn't even think about drinking coffee today. That it was, they went to bed making sure that they had coffee in the house, or they went to bed making, knowing that they were going to have coffee today. That means they woke up not necessarily knowing who they woke up as today. Hmm. They woke up as the person, assuming they were the person they were yesterday. But the program version of them. Right. Yeah. And this is the person that they will always be until they just question it. And I'm not saying don't have your coffee. I'm saying ask yourself if you really want it. And if you have a defense for that, like if I don't, I'll have a headache or all these mm-hmm, other things, mm-hmm. then ask, why am I getting a headache? Right. <laughs> and then you can start the process of really recovering yourself. And that's, and, and if we're just in this programmed space, like, like let's take, you know, a, a fictional caregiver, they wake up, they have a long day ahead of them. So they, as they're going to work, they get a cup of coffee, they go through all of their clients. This is, this is rote, like, like. Nothing is taking them out of the scenario. And if they, they then get home, they go through this cycle of watching television or doing whatever it is they do to check out, and then they start over. And yes, each case might be individual and separate, but there might be just a way that it's all the same. And if it is, where's that growth? For and sure. Where are you? Yeah, for sure. No and. Your approach is very analytical, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. but it is, and, and I think that's such a great thing because in today's days we we value data so much, and when when you have that data, it makes kind of navigating through through life or through whatever experience that you need that data for a lot easier, right? To make decisions from that, but mm. when you don't have an understanding of why you're doing something and you don't have that data, yeah, it makes it seem like you don't really have a freedom, right, right. To, to do that. And you're very, very wise on all these things. But where, where did all this come from for you? What, what personal experience led you, to, <laughs> uh, you know, to to making this your your passionate line of work? So I have 20 years clean and sober. Uh, 20, uh, 20, yeah. T- uh, at the end of this year, it'll be 21. Congratulations! But, um, thanks. And my my passion is getting people to understand that. Like my addiction was definitely a symptom to me not liking myself. 
mm-hmm. like in the in the in the simplest terms, um, from su- being suicidal and all of these other sorts of things. And I don't I don't dwell on those things because those things kind of like really made me who I am. And so it's really it's it really turned out beautifully for me. Not the case for everybody. Um, I see caregivers as oftentimes um, really so self-involved with their um, with their clients that they can't see their clients. They can't actually like, they have data which tells them there is a way to get overcome your addiction. But the only piece of data that one needs to over, to overcome your addiction is the you know like really the desire and a purpose in your life to to want to do that, and everybody has that. But when we look out in the world, I didn't see that. I'm an I'm a natural contrarian, so <laughs> being a contrarian like put me on the outside of a lot of things. And that led me, and a little to, lonelier too, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, and my my contradictory views were not embraced. Right. Some people's are, and that's good for them, and I'm you know really grateful for that. Um, but for me, it put me on the outside. That led me to my addiction, and I fell into making art. Uh, just because I had nowhere else to go. It was either art or military. And, and I would have taken either. I happened to get into an art school. It was a for-profit art school. I feel like they, they, they took advantage of a lot of people there. It was, sure. This was the early, early stages of uh, the for-profit industry in terms of schools. Gotcha. And the early stages of the bad stuff, right? Like I, I believe there there have been for profit schools, but uh, but what we know is for profit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and 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 I started showing art, but I was I was struggling with addiction, and I had all of these other things. And and in my mind, early in my career, I wanted my art to do more. I didn't want it to just be something that sat on a wall. I wanted it to be something that inspired people and and. And for me, early on, it was it was my route out of addiction, and so that was something art, that was beautiful. The, the art was, yeah, making art and being creative and and having an outlet for sure was something that that I utilized, which I utilized as an addiction. Right, it was it was a replacement addiction yeah. for me, um, but as I understood further and further what I wanted to accomplish and what I wanted to do with myself, like that addiction was able to subside and it and now like I make art very specifically with my clients uh, I make art I, I do portraits of individuals when I when that's I sit amazing. with them yeah that's really amazing yeah so my clients they'll go through a, a, the first session with me uh, me and them and I do a portrait of them because I want people to see themselves and when I do the portrait they can judge me and they can say you made me look like that 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 and that tells me what they see about themselves because I didn't make them look like anything. This is a painting. This is a picture. I don't have anything, you know, like, yes, it's a view, but like, what else? You know, like, like I can draw a line on the page and I can show it to you and say, this is you. And however you judge that, you're, you're looking at yourself. You're projecting how you're you projecting. feel about yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and we do that in everything. Sure. I can have you pick something up. 
this is called gestalt therapy. You pick something up and you describe it. And if you describe it and then you go back and instead of addressing it with your descriptions, you address yourself. You say, I am you know, blue and round and da, 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 whatever, however you describe the thing, you will find insights into how you see yourself. Kind and so, so I utilize a little bit of that and then we go through, you know, more, more talking and, and energy work and stuff. So, yeah. And that's even true for, for people that I've heard in the past that, you know, you can't see in others what's not true of you. That's so right. if no. you're, you know, no. describing someone to be an asshole mm-hmm. or whatever, you I mean, you got to look out like, you know, people that when when you attack, you know, uh, people because of their sexual preference or their race or whatever, like there's there's fear in those individuals and those individuals that are attacking other people. Of course, they're 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 bad people. But we as a society often want to um, demonize them. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, is they're they're hurting like they're. And they're hurting other people, so we got to get them off the street. But we also have to make sure that they're, uh, they're they're getting the help they need because they're obviously not able to deal with something that's going on within themselves. Definitely, it's an expression of pain, right? Yeah. They always hear mm-hmm. the expression that hurt people hurt people, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so tell me what it looks like when I know it's very different. You're not a therapist, right? Right. So it's not like you're seeing uh, uh, patients from that regard. So when you train the therapist or you know the the caregivers what does that look like are you being hired by a hospital like what you know so well there's two there is one-on-one work that i do and it is more like coaching and that's a four session package that's it i don't want to see my my patients or my clients more than four times when i do one-on-one because if you because you need to live your life yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to hold your hand while you live your life. Like a, a lot of people come the third session, they're like, "You mean the next session is the last one?" And they start freaking out. And I'm like, "Yeah, I know you like this whole um, codependent sort of like therapist relationship, but I don't play that. Like coming from addiction, coming from all of that, like I want to step away from as much codependency as possible for both you and yeah. The like I don't, emotion. I don't, I don't need you to be strung along." And uh, me, I, I don't want my financial solvency to be dependent on any individual or even a group of individuals because yeah. that's, that's just dirty. I don't like that. Um, and, I, and I don't want to be emotionally, I don't want to be I don't, even, even subconsciously emotionally attached to your staying with me. Yeah. Um, so, so I do see people one-on-one. But... Um, but that was, uh, but that, that's, that's one thing. No, I'm not a therapist. It's more like a coaching, medi- uh, mentorship kind of thing. Gotcha. The, um, I do a lot of cold calling to uh, recovery centers, treatment centers, and I offer continuing education units to counselors, clinicians throughout the country. Um, through NADAC, Illinois, I, use, I, I work with IADAPCA, Indiana Licensing Board, so a number of different opportunities for people to earn continuing education units to remain licensed in their state. Sure. Um, and I offer, and I try to work with the organization rather than the individual because I want to be able to have as many people in my workshops as possible while uh, it's not costing the individual. Because caregivers aren't paid enough. Sure. And there's a lot of money in 
being a company that gives care. But isn't that, uh, but that's the addiction to greed to the top, right? That's right. <laughs> so if I can offer, and, and my work is personal work for the counselor that they can bring into their, into their practice. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm talking about them recovering themselves, they start fighting fatigue and they can start planting seeds of, for their clients who are currently recovering from to start thinking about what it looks like to recover too. Yeah. That way there's a better, uh, there's just, um, there's, there's a better outcome yeah. for everybody. Yep. And an organization wants their counselors to do more work, but they're already fighting fatigue. So if I can help the organization help their clients fight fatigue while getting more out of them, that's a, that's, that's, that's a win for everybody, win for everybody. (laughs) Like I have, and, and really if I have 75 people in, in my workshop and it's only like three different organizations. Well, the nice thing about that is that everybody that's in my workshop is going to walk away and have somebody to talk to about the workshop. So then the work, just like artwork, once you put it up, you don't know what people are going to say about it, but it's going to have what we call a life of its own. And the message that I have needs to have a life of its own. It needs to evoke emotion that sparks conversation. Right. And they're the ones that are living it. Yeah. So they're the ones that need to be able to adjust and see how other people... And when your organization can have everybody on the same page with in in terms of caring for themselves and doing that self-work so that they can continue giving more then there's a singular conversation if i talk with one person in an organization that comes to my workshop yeah that's great but they don't have anyone to talk to there's no community and and i don't want to build that community for them there's this idea of of having you know um like facebook groups and all these things but those are those are manufactured communities around specific ideas and if they in the organization want this idea to grow and morph and stuff they have to do that like i can't like me creating it is just me creating another outlet for them to you know like have these feelings of addiction and have these feelings of 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 belonging and stuff you got to create that stuff for yourself 100 percent, 100 percent so one of the things is with the Mind Reboot, it is, you know, beyond just the podcast, it's a program because, you know, we all subscribe to a program that whether we know it or not, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what are some of those things in your life that work for you when it comes to it? And, and I know you've also been diagnosed with uh, uh, MS, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that things are, look a little different for you than most, or than, yeah, than most who don't have it, right? But in terms of your, your daily routine, diet, exercise, like what, what works for you in your life? So I'm up at four every 4 morning. Yeah. <laughs> what time are you going to sleep to get, um, to, to get up at four? Nine. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're yeah. getting your, I'm get, your due I'm rest. Get, yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm not, I, I, I'm not, not sleeping. For sure. Um, I wake up and probably spend an hour to an hour and a half uh, meditating and journaling. Wow. Uh, so I do. How much of, uh, of each? Um. So I do a breathing exercise, probably takes about 10, 15 minutes when I wake up and then I go into about a 30 minute meditation and then I get up and I journal Yeah, and I, and I write three pages a day 
Um, it's pretty awesome. How do yeah. you journal? What, what's the approach you take? Just like thoughts or is it? Um, I, I write for three pages, whatever. That's it. Yeah. Like there are times where I'll just repeat the same word. Uh, oh. There have been times where I've just repeated the same word. That doesn't happen really anymore. It's not, it's not prose. I just uh, kind of stream of consciousness and I try and tap into what is on the surface. So when we wake up, our mind isn't completely up yet. Right. And so we have access to those things that are uneasy in our lives. And when we can start writing those things out, we can just start to exercise them. They'll, they'll get into our subconscious and we'll carry it throughout our day and our brain will just start to process like, hey, what's going on here? What do you think? You do know? you ever surprise yourself with some of the things you write down? Um, <laughs> there, there was a time where uh, I didn't have the breathing and meditation exercise and I surprised myself oh, like you, more you didn't, often. You didn't have that as part of your... As part of my thing. Yeah. And so I would, I would journal as soon as gotcha, I woke up. Gotcha, gotcha. And during that, I would surprise myself more. But that was years ago. I don't surprise myself so much anymore because I... Not, and I don't want to ever say like because I've been doing the work and like duck, duck, duck. you know but, but like you kind of have but it's yeah. kind of true though but you're seeing it right? yeah because you introduced it mid journaling right so there is there is a lot of there's a lot to be said about low hanging fruit right so many people today have a lot of low hanging <laughs> fruit right like 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 it, easy fixes well. Not easy fixes by any stretch, but easy to see, mm, mm, mm. right? You can yeah. spot that problem pretty easily if you just add a little awareness to it, right? Now, once you've been doing this work, it doesn't get any easier and you, you don't have any less to go over. You just like it, It's kind of like a bottomless pit. No mm. matter how far down you go, the you're not getting closer to anything. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're not you're not you're not you're not solving anything, but life is getting better. Yeah. And it's it you're able to walk taller, you're able to, to speak clearer. And and so that's why I don't like to say, well, I've been doing this work for a long time because that really doesn't mean anything yeah. other than it comes about like less frequently. Like I remember early on when I was start when I started journaling and when I was early in my sobriety, and I started journaling before I got sober, um, but when those two things kind of met, things were coming up all the time, and and I was surprising myself. And the thing was, I was surprising myself with things that were pretending to be problems, meaning the real problem was deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And so as I got deeper, and as I found the cause of things that were going on with me, that opened me up to new possibilities and, and, and understanding myself in a new way. And so now I, I don't really surprise myself. Today, specifically, I did surprise myself and I came up with, uh, with a source of like the root of, I believe, a pro what a problem was, um, which was uh, my contrarian views um, were rooted in this in this experience I had where I had what was called a trigger finger, I would be able to lock the tendon in my thumb and it's, and pop it out of place and it would make this sound. And I was like, that's great. I'm a four-year-old making this sound with my thumb. And, and then all of a sudden, like, it's stuck and I had to go to the hospital. And so 
I like to say it, it is all about what we learn, not what we were taught. Um, and so when I look at what would a five-year-old or a four-year-old have learned from doing that? Right. And I learned how to pop my thumb from my sister who was 11 months older than me. And that then, she didn't have that problem. Like she didn't, like her fingers never locked in place. And she stopped doing it after I went to the hospital. But I must have learned like to not just go with the crowd. Like like my sister got attention for her doing it, so I did it, then I got attention, and then I went to the hospital. What is a five, four, four, five-year-old kid gonna learn from that? And I have to speculate a little bit about like, well, did that cause trauma? Because- Do the, do the opposite of everything. Yeah, do the, like don't, like if someone says, hey, do this, no. Yeah. Like that is my first I'm instinct. I'm not, I'm <laughs> like, that's going to cause me pain. Yeah, that's going to yeah, cause yeah. me trauma. So um, now my work, now that I kind of connected that, now my work is, all right, find out all the places in my life right now that are being dictated, you know, throughout my days, weeks, months, this might take a long time to exercise yeah. completely, but find out what what could that experience be influencing in my life? Because in your decision making, I, in my decision making, and in what I'm doing, and if I can, if I can pull that out, and I can start to realize that, oh, I'm making this decision because of an irrational idea that I had when I was a four year old. Well, now I can recover myself more, right? Because I'm going to actually recover myself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just live as a, you know trauma-informed like like four-year-old, like yep. someone who's who's reacting to something because I'm afraid that if I do what you are asking me to do because you got attention for it, then, you know, this, this is why I don't market traditionally. This is why I haven't done a lot of things. And now I have to look at all those things and say, wait a minute, just because other people are getting attention because of that doesn't mean I'm going to end up in the hospital if I do. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> very, very wise. I mean, Martin, John, you've, you you have a lot of expertise in what you do, but just also the wisdom behind it. It's a, it goes beyond just, um, yeah, that training that you provide to, to caregivers. But, you know, if, if you're listening and you feel like you could benefit from, from connecting with Martin John or if you are a decision maker at a, at a hospital or a facility that you need to provide training or continuing education credits uh, for your staff, I would encourage you to reach out to Martin John directly using the form below. Um, but yeah, definitely thank you for coming in, sharing your wisdom, no. your story. Thanks for all the, the praise. Like I feel, I feel flush. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, really, you, really, you really have it all. So, no, you. you know, I appreciate you sharing and, and just you know, contributing value to the community. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you.